Good morning. This is the day the Lord has made. It's a beautiful day. We're glad you're with us. We're going to begin our worship as we stand to sing our open hymn of celebration, number 143. It's just actually kind of a refrain, so we're going to sing it through twice on eagle's wings. Australia, originally from the Hillsong Church, and uh, we are just so honoured to be here with you today. I'm a missionary in Nicaragua, so I take in uh, kids from the streets. They've come from gangs and been orphaned and trafficked and even prostituted, and we just love them and disciple them. Once they are saved and ready to go, we hit the road and we do a bit of an outreach. So we're here for four months. It's our eighth time to the USA. Um, we feel it's a very special time at the moment with the elections and whatnot. Uh, the country is looking for an answer, you know, and the only answer we see, the only hope is a uh, loving God who saves and who uh, heals and protects. Uh, and so we're just going to sing a little song for you now, if we may. And uh, I just ask that you sort of stay in your seat. Don't try and do a quick exit. And I think there was a comment from... <laughs> The pastor's given me permission to crash tackle anyone who tries to go to the door. Um, and so, yeah, so if you could help us by clapping. They're very talented kids, but they can't clap in time. Can you turn it up just a little bit? The Let creation sing 
of the risen King. Let the universe resound with a shout of love. We will give to you all the highest praise. Okay, darling, this is Eric, Myron, Eduardo, Johnny, Rafi Narvin. Let your light shine upon us. Let your light shine upon us for the glory of your name will be over all the earth. Let creation sing of the risen King. Let the universe with a shout of love we will give to you all the highest praise let creation sing of the risen king let the universe resound with a shout of love we will give to you all the highest praise forever forever i sing forever forever i sing forever forever i sing Forever, forever, I'll sing. 
Okay. So tonight we have a production and they've made it themselves, these kids. And uh, they just want to share their story of hope. So they'll share their stories, but they're also going to tell uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ as it applies to them. You know, uh, we are all sinful. We are all broken. We all need a saviour. And uh, we just want to share of the love of God. So please come along 6 o'clock till 8 o'clock. It's a potluck. So if you don't come, we don't eat, right? <laughs> Bye. Okay, let's go. As we continue in worship, may the ushers come forward to, uh, get, uh, to join as we give our gifts, tithes, and offerings. and offerings, we present them before you and ask that you would bless and multiply these our gifts. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen and receive a reading from the word of God. Create in us a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us, according to your grace and mercy. May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear the scripture from St. Luke, Chapter 11, verses 
37 through 44. While he was speaking, a Pharisee invited him to dine with him. So he went in and took his place at the table. The Pharisee was amazed to see that he did not first wash before dinner. Then the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? So give for alms those things that are within, and see everything will be clean for you. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and herbs of all kinds, and neglect justice and the love of God. It is these you ought to have practiced without neglecting the others. Woe to you Pharisees, for you love to have the seat of honor in the synagogues and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves and people walk over them without realizing it. This is God's word to God's people. Thanks, Thanks be unto God. God. Let's pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks as we gather together this morning, asking your blessing upon this, your word. And bless now this word, O God, today in our hearing, not as words but heard, and not words but read, not words found even on page with ink, but now living words that find a place in living hearts, our souls, our lives, and that these as good words that find a deep root to the depths of the hearts and souls of those who hear it today, may we find a blessing unto everlasting life through Jesus Christ, who is the living word of God, and in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to take one last look today at reasons that people find it hard at times to come to church. Here's a few reasons why people don't go to church. I can't come to church until I get my life together. Church is how I got my life together. Church is filled with a bunch of hypocrites. And there's always room for one more. All they care about is your money. They care about me, not about my money. Is there some kind of dress code? Yes, the code is wear some clothes. Church, it just makes me nervous. I was nervous at first and then I felt right at home. I'm not sure I believe everything that you believe. But you can still belong. Church is for wimpy girly men. You wanna say that again? If you knew me and what I've done, you wouldn't want me. If you knew me and what I've done, you wouldn't be worried. You can come to my church even if you were brought up Catholic, Baptist, Methodist, Jewish, Mormon, Lutheran, Pentecostal, Presbyterian, Church of Christ, Southern Baptist, a little bit of everything and a whole lot of nothing. See, it's not about a religion, it's about a relationship. So please, come to my church. Where nobody's perfect. Where beginners are welcome. Where socks are optional. But grace is required. Where forgiveness is offered. 
where hope is alive. And where it's okay to not be okay. Really. Well, today we complete our eight-sermon series called Religion or Relationship. Today, our message is, which is it? We have looked indeed at how people outside the church look at us for whatever reason that they can find a barrier. We have looked at people who felt uncomfortable in church because it made them feel nervous. They felt judged. They felt they didn't fit in because of the way they were dressed. They didn't fit in because of the way they thought. Others who thought church was for wimpy people and hypocrites. And so we finish today asking, when we come to church, what is it that we do here? What's the bottom line? Is it religion or relationships that drive us in what we do as we try to be people of faith? Well, then let me tell you a story about religion. We have several of our members at church who are residents of senior citizen apartment complexes. And as you know, there can be several hundred residents in this kind of retirement complex, and so the staff must run things by regimen. And so every Sunday, and only Sundays for the last 15 years, this local retirement center has served scrambled eggs for breakfast before the residents went to church. Last week on a Thursday, they changed their menu and served scrambled eggs, and after breakfast, everybody got up and went to church. I made that up <laughs> about the center, but not about religion. You see, religion is different in essence from Christianity. The root of the word religion comes from a Latin word religio, which literally means to bind. Therefore, religion binds a person to God. Now, a good enough definition as far as it goes, however, true Christianity binds God to a person. Religion is human-directed. Christianity is God-directed in a personal relationship. Religion is what Jesus faced in our scripture today when he went to dine at the home of a religious person, a Pharisee, and having scrambled eggs, everybody got after and went to temple. In fact, it was said in the time of Jesus that the most religious of people in his day were the Pharisees. Now, notice it didn't say that they were the most caring people. It didn't say they were most compassionate people. It didn't say they were the most loving of people. It didn't say that they were the most God-centered people. Rather, that they were the most religious people. And so Jesus went in to eat with them, and no sooner had he started on the appetizer than the Pharisee exclaimed his surprise that Jesus didn't wash his hands before he ate. Now, first of all, that's just plain rude to have a guest in your house and ask them to wash your home. I mean, their hands. I mean, the only person who could ever ask you that was who? Your mom, of course. And if your mom wasn't at the table, you can't ask that question. Can you imagine having someone just came in, new friend, sit down and say, could you wash your hands before you eat? Wouldn't do that. It's just plain rude. But secondly, and most importantly, the reason the Pharisee said this was not because of his concern that Jesus' hands were dirty or that he was afraid Jesus might get germs on his food or that he was thinking of cleanliness being next to godliness. He was thinking rather of simply being religious. For you see, the religious scruple of the Pharisee said that you had to wash your hands before you ate because 
You had to wash your hands before you ate. It didn't matter if you had washed your hands three minutes before, but if you sat down to eat as a part of your religion, you were to wash your hands. And it wasn't as if they were watching Jesus intently to see if he really went to the washroom. It was something that happened at the table. And you had a little bowl, kind of like that when you go to a restaurant, you get lobster, and you get that little bowl to put your, your fingers in after you get the lobster. And uh, it was a whole little ritual, and you would put your hands over the bowl, and someone would pour a little bit of the water, just enough on the fingertips, and so it looked like it was going down like that and give you a towel to wash, and that made you ceremoniously clean for the dinner. It wasn't really something to wash your hands with. And uh, in that day, you see, people weren't conscious of health like we are. It was just a, a lesson about the religious scruples of how to allow yourself to be having religion be a part of what you're doing rather than the relationship with the host or the guest. A religious observance like scrambled eggs on Sunday. At one time, perhaps it was meant to be religiously something more than that, but it had become just a ritual that everyone did. As Jesus said to the Pharisee, now you Pharisees, you choose the outward to wash the cup, but the inside of you are full of wickedness and extortion. And what Jesus meant was that a whitewash outside looks pretty good, but inside is still rotting with bones. Now, if you've ever tried to sell a house, what's the first thing that a seller would do? Paint the outside of the house so it looks nice, don't you? You want that curb appeal. So you, you fix the outside of the house where it looks nice, and the person steps in, you got a hole in the floor, there's holes in the walls, things are shabby, unpainted. You see, it looked good on the outside, the person just come in with expectations that it's going to be something good, but comes in and is disappointed because inside it's a filthy wreck. And so people knew what Jesus was talking about. He said, you can look good on the outside, but it's the inside where it really matters. In the church, we have spent thousands of years more often building a faith that was more religion than has been Christianity. And we did that mainly by focusing on what Christians should not do instead of doing and looking at what they should do. We aimed everything on negative impressions of God, the law, sin, hellfire, damnation, wrath, and judgment, and forgot the weightier portion of the gospel, which is the love of God. Now, for most of us, even in this church, we can perhaps remember a time when we were growing up, when we were smaller, and you can remember that kind of preacher. Do you remember them? Or if you miss it out, try television evangelists in the morning or the evening. Get the right channel, and you'll see some ones that are really out there. Uh, hardly saying a constructive thing, but a lot of hellfire and a lot of brimstone. Why? It's easy. It is far easier to criticize than it is to build people up. And it is easier to offer facile criticism and condemnation than to give constructive love. One of the great old evangelists by the name of Billy Sunday preached in the late 1800s was superior at this kind of critical preaching. And one of his gems is the sermon where he crouches down like a lion before the pulpit. And he jumps up and he pounds his fist into his hand. And he jumps and lunges at the audience, shouting at the particular taboo he is on that night. And whether it's dancing or smoking or going to movie theaters, and he's saying, I'll kick it as long as I've got a foot. I'll fight it as long as I've got a fist. And I'll butt it as long as I've got a head. And I'll bite it as long as I have a tooth. And when I'm old and fistless, footless and toothless, I'm going to gum it to death until I go to glory and it goes to perdition. 
the three greatest sins of his day in order outside of hell itself in the world were theater going, card playing, and Sunday newspapers. <laughs> now, we smile now, don't we? But it was serious business in those days. Now, I'm not saying that such evangelists never did anything constructive. God's grace ran through many of them in spite of them. Many people's lives were changed. Many people found their ways to the Lord during their, their uh, services. But I think that after they made that initial commitment, they found when they woke up the next morning, they had been converted, but they had just found that it had been replaced by religion instead of a personal relationship with God. They were following the outward legalisms of Phariseeism, and they did not know the freedom that Christ alone can bring. Now, this is not to say that there are no guidelines for Christians. There are many. It is not to say that there are things that are right and things that are wrong. It is to say that we have been focusing, though, on too many of the wrong things and have not been focusing on the right things for us to move forward in relationship of ourselves to God in Jesus Christ. Now, I often hear people, and we don't hear it quite as much, but we hear people talking about cigarette smoking. You can't be a Christian if you smoke cigarettes. Now, I don't know of a person who smokes a cigarette that believes that smoking is good for you. But smoking is not going to be the determination of whether you're going to heaven or hell. Although you may get there sooner if you do. <laughs> if not smoking cigarette makes you a Christian, then your dog will go to heaven and you won't. It's ridiculous to say that someone's eternal destiny depends on whether they smoke, dance, swear, drink, or go to movies. Because... That is not what determines a person's relationship to God. That's a determination made in a personal relationship to Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. And some people get so confused in this that they begin believing that it is your outward behavior, if everything looks nice, that's going to get you into heaven, rather than look inside and see it's that personal relationship that you make to Jesus Christ. Jesus said, Woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done and have kept the others. But you are like graves that are not seen, and men walk over them without knowing it. When Jesus said this, it meant much more than we understand. You see, to the observant Jew, to walk on the grave of a dead person was to make you ritually unclean for a month. And that would make you unable to go to temple worship. And so you would never go into a cemetery because once you did that, you made yourself unclean. So this was something much more than we looked at. So he said to the Jew at that time, he understood what it meant by looking good on the outside. But even passing unknowingly on a grave would make you unclean. So what is the difference between religion and a relationship? Religion is us trying to find God. Christianity in relationship is understanding that we need to allow God to come to us. Religion can satisfy the mind. Christianity satisfies both mind and soul. Religion puts on its best manners on Sundays and when we're wearing our best clothes and when people are watching. Christianity in relationship to God puts on its best behavior even when there's not another single person around. Religion will cause a person to be found in church every day if need be and to do things they don't want to do while Christianity will make one do what you should do because there's a desire in your heart to be in favor with God. A human being works on the religion. Christianity works on us. Religion will cause a person to do good. Christianity will cause one to be and do good as well. 
Religion depends on the sunshine of life always shining upon you and everything being fine, while Christianity makes its own sunshine even when it's in the midst of the storm. Religion makes us more pleased with ourselves than with God, and Christianity makes us more pleased with God while realizing that we can never be pleased to be staying where we are because we always have to be moving forward in a walk of faith with Jesus Christ in a relationship. Christianity makes us understand that our lives are focused not on comparing ourselves with other people, but simply comparing ourselves with Jesus Christ and understanding that every single one of us has such a long way to go in our lives to follow Jesus Christ on earth. Religion is having the form of godliness. Christianity is being that person of godliness. Religion will allow you to feed the poor and the starving of the world and hate your neighbor. Well, Christianity, a relationship with Jesus Christ, will help us to love everyone. Christianity does itself. Religion always allows a person to worry about how people are treating them, while Christianity allows us to worry about how we treat others. This is the chief difference between religion versus Christianity. Religion is our own attempt to reach up to God, and Christianity is relationship to God, is God reaching down to us through Jesus Christ. And ultimately, every one of us needs to make our own determination about how we will live our lives. Are we just be religious? Are we just looking good on the outside? Are we just looking like the prime example of what we should be while inside where that grave, the place where things are dying, rather than a place where things are living and truly because we're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, we understand the difference. Do we have within us a living, vital faith which through Jesus Christ empowers us to be the people God desires us to be. How is your relationship to God today? Which is it? Religion or relationship? Let's pray. Eternal God, we gather together here today as your people, and so often we find ourselves caught up in religion, and we see how far we are from a relationship with you. Everything on the outside looks fine, but inside we're hurting. Inside we, we feel the problems. We try to, to be on the outside what we should be, but lack the power inside. Help every one of us today to understand, O oh God, that you call us to be both righteous on the outside because we're righteous from the inside. And it always follows that way, from inside to outside, May we find our lives today in a living relationship to Jesus Christ. And in that, O oh God, to know how we'll truly be the church in which everyone will find a place, no matter what. And this I do pray through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Today, as we come to the table, we're given the opportunity to decide, is it a religion or relationship? For on that night when Jesus was with his disciples, he joined with them and took bread. He broke it. He gave thanks and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. When you receive this, do this in remembrance of me. Following supper, Jesus took the cup of wine. He raised it, he gave thanks, and he said, this is my blood which is shed for you. When you receive this, do this in remembrance of me.
Glorious God, we give you thanks and praise as we join together to come to this table to celebrate the sacrament of communion, to know that through these elements of bread and juice, we meet the reality of your promise and of your love that was given through the cross. That in this we might proclaim the mystery of our faith, knowing that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. So gracious God, we ask that you prepare our hearts to meet you here in this place, that we will never be the same, forever transformed by your presence and by your grace. We come now to the table through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. As the ushers and communion servers are coming forward to receive, just to remind you, we do have gluten-free wafers, should any of you desire. Should any of you need to receive communion in your pew, please let our ushers know, and we would love to come and serve you. And the table is open to all. You do not need to be United Methodist. You don't need to be a member of our church. God's grace abounds. If we may join together in our hymn, He is Lord, 177. God, we give you thanks and praise that we might together come to your table to receive your grace, to receive more than elements, but the reality of your presence in our lives, that in so doing, we desire relationship and not religion. We give you thanks and praise for the joys and the concerns that we share together, to continue to pray with and for one another. And as we lift up our prayers, we know that you have called us and taught us to pray. So may we as a community share together our prayer as we lift our voices with the voices around the world and pray together, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Will you please stand as we join together and shalom to you as found in your bulletin.
invite you to take a moment to reach out and take the hand of someone near you. And as we join hand in hand together, give that hand just a little squeeze, if you will. That means we're together. It means we're in relationship, even as we seek to be in relationship to Jesus Christ. So receive now this is blessing and benediction in the name of God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go forth today in a new relationship with Jesus Christ and go forth to be faithful disciples of him, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you.